We've been talking about time. Next week, we conclude our sermon series on timing is everything. We said that timing is everything. It makes the a world of difference as a speaker, as a communicator, as a comedian, as an athlete, as a businessman, as a leader. Timing is everything. It can make you a great leader or a bad leader. It can make you a great husband or not so good a husband. The truth is timing is so important. But today I want to talk to you about not just timing is everything, but make the most of your time. We said that time is God's business. Last, the, the last message I spoke, I said timing is God's business. That God has, or we have a desire, the human heart has a desire to know the timing. We're very curious and we always want to know, when is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? Lord, share with me. But the Bible says very, very specifically, timing is God's business, not ours. Give me one second. I'm going to chew this cough drop up before I spit it out on y'all. Okay, I'm ready. Timing is God's business. So if it's not our business, why are we so concerned with it? Because God put that in our hearts so that we would be concerned with him. If we want to know the timing, then we got to snuggle up, I said, or we got to get close to the one that does. And we have to trust in him long enough and, and, and sincere enough to know that he will tell us what we need to know, when we need to know it, and not a moment later. Amen? And so, I, we also said, the last time I spoke, is that, that the hardest thing to do is to wait on God. Wouldn't you agree on that? One of the hardest things to do is to sit in God's waiting room and just wait on him because God is never in a hurry. We said that no amount of fits, no amount of temper tantrums, no amount of stomping of our feet and arguing with him will make him move any faster. Am I right? If he says it's time for you to wait, it's time for you to wait. And sometimes he has us waiting because we're not ready for the blessing that we want to have. See, God knows, and sometimes he says, son, daughter, you're not ready for the blessing you want me to b- bestow upon you because that blessing is too heavy. That blessing means you need to operate at a higher level in your faith. That means you've got to have broader faith shoulders to carry that blessings because with higher levels come bigger devils. Uh-oh. Come greater temptation, greater distraction, And more things to shepherd over. And when you shepherd over more blessing, you have to have greater faith. And so sometimes we assume that we're waiting on God. That we're in the waiting room waiting on God. But what if God is waiting on us? And so today I want to share with you the time is now. The time is now. Stop waiting. And do your part. You go, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. What is my part? Get your heart right. Get your mind right and do the things God has asked you to do. Start moving forward in the way that he has asked you to move. Stop going around the mountain and learn the lessons that he's asked you to learn. Amen. And start moving forward. See, time is so important. I looked up the definition of time. And this is the definition I kept getting over and over. Time is the continued sequence of existence and events that occurs in an apparently irreversible succession from the past through the present and into the future. Is that true? I like to put it this way. 
Time is the mechanism by which we measure the unfolding of the mortal life. It reminds us that we're mortal, that we have a beginning, that we have an end. The truth of the matter is, we got to stop wasting time. You know, so many times we, we look towards killing time. I'm reminded of Clint Black's song. This killing time is killing me. Those are true words. But sometimes we kill time because we're not confident about the future. Because we're stuck in the past. Because we're having trouble with the present. But can I tell you, the most important thing you have been given is time. That's one of the most valuable gifts. As a matter of fact, there's no commodity on earth that's more valuable than time. Think about it with me. You can always make more money, but you can't make more time. Time. When you finally die and they put a headstone there, when I finally die and they put a headstone there, they're going to say, born 1972. I should have said 82. 1972. And then they're going to put the date in which I ceased being alive in the physical sense. But there's going to be a dash right between those two dates. And that dash is what's most important. It's what you do with that dash that really counts. And everyone is given a dash. My question to you today is, what are you doing with it? And I want to challenge you to have this year, 2022, be the greatest year yet. To set your sights on an amazing life. To go for it. To stop waiting on God. Because maybe God is waiting on you. And God is saying, come on up. Come on up. There's some things that he's called us to that we can start to do today. Amen. The time is now. So I'm going to organize. I've organized my message in this form. We're going to talk about faith. Faith deals with the heart. The heart. Get our hearts right. Focus deals with the mind. Get our mind right. Our focus right. And then force deals with the physical energy. The action in the physical sense. All of these things are important if we want to have a great year. Amen. Now, I'm going to talk about these things in light of stopping, keeping, and starting. Stop, keep, start. There's some things that we need to do today. There's some things we need to stop doing today. What kind of things? Things that are harmful to us. Things that are robbing from us and not moving us toward our goal. Not having us maximize our life. Isn't that true? Can you think of some things, even right now as you sit, that you should stop doing immediately? Don't wait any longer. The time is now. How about this? How about some things we should keep doing? Keep doing it. Double down on it. You're coming to church. Can I say, double down on that? That's a good thing. When you show up to church and God works in your heart, your life goes in the right direction. How many of us are reading God's word? If you're reading God's word... Keep doing it. Double down on that. Are you trusting God for good? Are you believing in him? Are you looking towards him first thing in the morning, last thing at night? If you're doing that, keep doing it. 
And then some of us need to start doing some things. What kind of things? Maybe how about discipleship? Some of us know discipleship is something we should do because God has been stirring up in your heart and you've been having that thought, I need to get closer to God this year. This is the year that spiritually I connect with the Lord like never before and I take my relationship with him to the next level. I start learning his word and I start being able to hide this word deep in my heart that when it's time I can recall it, I can share it, I can speak it forth and I can stand on it in Jesus' name, amen? I need to stop making excuses. I need to keep looking towards the Lord and I need to start moving in a certain direction. I want to encourage you in this day that the time is now. The time is now. Time is so important. So important. And so if you want to make the most of this year, I want to, I want to encourage you to have faith. Have faith for what? Have faith to believe God's word and all that it says to you and about you. To believe God's word, have faith. Number one, under having faith and getting our heart right, have the faith to follow the way. What do I mean by follow the way? Do you realize that we are called to follow the way of Jesus Christ? The first Christians were actually not called Christians. They were called followers of the way. Whose way? The king of glory's way. Jesus' way. See, he came to show us a what? A better way. What do you mean a better way? A better way than divorce. A better way than lying. A better way than cheating and stealing. There's a better way to honor, to be a person of integrity. Therefore, you never have to look back and wonder who's coming at you. There's a better way to live free. And he taught his disciples this, that taught disciples, that taught disciples, and they were known as people of the way. You see this in the book of Acts, throughout the book of Acts. The particular passage I want to share with you is found in Acts 9. Acts 9, you have here a passage where the Apostle Paul is converted. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament, and most of us have heard of Paul. But he wasn't always a Christian. As a matter of fact, there was a time where he used to persecute, meaning put Christians to death. And in this passage, it talks about that. You say, but, but they call him Saul. That was his name before Jesus changed it to Paul. When Jesus saved him, his name was changed. He saved him on the road to Damascus. Watch what's happening just before Jesus saved him. Watch this. In the meantime, Saul kept up his violent threats of murder against the followers of the Lord. He went to the high priest and asked for letters of introduction to the synagogues. In where? In Damascus. What was he going there to do? He was going to threaten murder against believers. Watch, watch what happens here. So that if he should find there any followers of the way of the Lord. Do you see they're not called Christians? As a matter of fact, if you go to the next verse in, in chapter 11, two chapters over, Paul has already become a Christian. 
He's become a Christian and you have a brother in the faith named Barnabas who is spending a year of his life training him up in discipleship. Come on, some of us need to dedicate this year to be trained up in the Lord. See what God can do with you. You might be the next Paul. Here you have Paul gives himself and watch what happens there at Antioch, where they spent a year together learning, it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. A Christian means a follower of the way of Jesus Christ. This year, I want you to get your heart right and to say, I follow, I believe, I'm going to do what the Bible says I'm going to do. Amen? Some of us are going, yeah, I'm not that hyper about that. It's tough, isn't it? Some of us go, now. it's not tough being a Christian. I don't know what Bible you're reading. But, but the things I want to do are not always the things I do. The things I don't want to do, sometimes I find those easy. Come on, how many of you find it easy to just get upset and to lose sight and to lose focus and your heart starts getting funky. And I read verses like this when Jesus says in chapter 5, he says, he says, you have heard it said. Or you've heard that it was said. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. And do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. Sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? He's basically saying, listen, even a thief, the worst kind of person, loves the person that loves them. I'm calling you to a higher level. Come on, let this year be the year we say, okay, Lord, if you said it, I'm going to follow your way. Can I tell you, this is hard to do. I'm going to date myself a little bit, but how many of you remember a show by the name of Happy Days? Happy Days. These days are I. Okay, never mind. They're Happy Days, and there's a character in Happy Days called the Fonz, and he can never admit he's wrong. When you go to pray for someone, you're going to sound like the Fonz. When you pray for someone that's hurt you and persecuted you and cursed you and spitefully used you, you're going to be like, oh, Lord, will you bless them, God? I mean, get them, God. I mean, the kind of blessing they need, they need a real humbling, Lord. Come against them, God, and teach them the error of their ways, my king. Next thing you know, you're praying these crazy prayers, and God says, no, 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 no. And it's in that time when you commit to be a follower of the way that the Lord starts showing you the way. And before long, you're saying, no, Lord, bless them. Bless their family. Bless them from generation to generation that you might show them your very best, my king. And he sets us free. He sets us free. How about procrastination? You go, procrastination is a matter of the heart? Yes. It's not just a matter of time management. So many of us attack procrastination at the time management level. But what if it has to do with confidence, insecurity, and a heart thing? See, most of the things I procrastinate against are the things that I don't feel confident in doing. 
that I'm negative towards. I have a bad attitude towards them. It's a matter of my heart. And maybe if I changed my my heart, it would change my focus as well. And I would get to it. Because I've learned that the things I get to are the things that I feel great about. The things I'm confident in. The things I think I do well. And some of us need to deal with some hard things that have followed us for years. Maybe some insecurities that have have been there since childhood. I know as I look over the things in my heart, God is revealing to me that some of them were put there by even my father and he didn't even know that he was doing it. It's interesting because I know that my father complimented me and lifted me up at least 10, 10 times to the one negative comment, at least But isn't it interesting how the enemy helps us remember the negative? And so how do I get my heart right? I know one way that's helped me tremendously is to turn to God's word and say, Heavenly Father, who do you say that I am? And I hear the Lord saying, you are my masterpiece. I created you in in your mother's womb. I was mindful of the day you were being formed. In fact, I got involved. I knit you together. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Not one day escapes my knowledge. Not one day of your life escapes my knowledge. I am intimately familiar with everything I have assigned you to do. And I have equipped you to do it if you only have the faith to walk in it. Come on, someone give me an amen on that. That's good. Some of us need to get our heart right so that we can stop procrastinating, so that we can stop having a negative attitude towards certain things and go for it. How about not quitting? Not quitting is a matter of the heart when you know that God is for you and that he has called all things, not some things, all things to work for your good. Then you can understand what the Bible says in Galatians 6, 9 when he says, And let us not grow weary of doing good. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, you will reap. Let this be the season where you don't quit no matter what. You keep planting good seed. You keep planting good seed. And with a heart of faith, you know that what you plant, you shall reap. Why? Because the Bible promised it. And if God promised it, it shall be. It shall be. It shall be. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to see it. All I have to do is believe it. And it shall be. It shall be. And so... Maybe some of us need to get up every morning and quote this verse, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed or discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my mighty, righteous right hand. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. The reason I say quote it every morning, because there's something There's something special about the morning time. You know, scientists are just now catching up with God's word. In some areas. In some areas. What do I mean by that? Didn't David say, oh Lord, early in the morning. Early in the morning is my delight to get a hold of you. 
Late in the evening, God, early in the morning, I meditate on your word. I come to you while the dew is still, still on the ground. Because there's something called, there's something called the setting the spiritual tone of the day. What do I mean by the spiritual tone of the day? See, the Bible alludes to the fact that early in the morning you should set your mind on God. Why? Because early in the morning, science has shown that your brain is operating in that critical moment, that critical space between like 8 and 13 wavelengths, uh, HZs, which means that's when your subconscious mind is most susceptible to influence. So if you wake up first thing in the morning and start worrying, your whole day will be characterized by worry. If you start being negative, your whole day will be characterized by negativity. You ever had a day where you just go, I just can't seem to get out of this funk. It started early in the morning. You go, Pastor, it can even start at night while we're sleeping because our subconscious mind, that's why you need to do it late at night and first thing in the morning. Late at night, we need to clear our spiritual palate. What do we mean by clearing our spiritual palate? That means get focused. Get focused. Consider what you're focusing on. Because what you focus on will determine the direction of your year, determine the direction of your day, determine the direction of your week, determine the direction of your month. You say, oh, pastor, I don't believe all of that. Well, this is one thing that I've learned. I see God's word, say it in the Psalms, and then I've I've lived it in my own life. When I go to bed worried and stressed out, I dream these things. I'm, I don't sleep well and I wake up thinking about it and it influences the next day, which influences the next day and the next day. But I've learned to clear my spiritual palate. What do you mean by that? Your, your, your focal palate. See, I was buying some, some, uh, some fragrance once for my lovely wife. And I went in there and I started spraying it everywhere. I got some on me. I got, I got it. And, and before long, I had a headache and I was having a really hard time picking out anything. I got so confused. And the lady comes up to help me and says, first of all, don't spray it on you. Spray it on the little card. Wave it. You got to wait a minute. You got to, and then you got to clear your palate. I go, what? I had no idea what she was talking about. She said, take these coffee beans. Anyone ever? You take the coffee beans and you smell the coffee beans. What does that do? It resets. Some of us need to reset our focus every night and every morning. If I were you, I'd put it on God. And the way I do it now is I say, oh, Lord, the last thing I think about is you, Lord. I'm just going to, I'm going to give you my day. My success, my failures, all of it. It's yours, God. I'm going to consider the verse of the day. And I'm going to ask you to guard my mind while I sleep and give me rest. And then when I wake up, I say, Lord, this is the day that you have made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. I grab my phone and I look up the verse of the day. And then I meditate on the verse of the day. And I say, Lord, I just want you, Lord, to guide the spiritual tempo of my day. And so it really does help set our focus right. Listen to what Colossians says. Set your minds on the things above and not on the things below that are of earth. Because if you focus 
on the things of this earth, they'll distract us. That's the next thing about being focused. We got to make sure we're not distracted this year. I don't know about you, but I want to be, I want to be focused on the best thing and not be distracted from every single angle with all these great things, all these good things that keep me from great things. See, the Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 25 says, let your eyes look directly forward. Come on. Do you get the sense that Solomon is saying, don't get distracted. If you want to have a great year, you want to have a great life, don't get distracted. There's many things that can distract us, but we're called to look forward. Jesus put it this way, but seek first the kingdom of God. Be careful with what you prioritize because it will, it will take your focus. The next thing in setting a focus is we have to ask the right questions. Questions are so powerful. Why do you think I ask a question before I start speaking? Because I want you to lean forward. I want you to lean in. I say, are you ready for God's word? Most of you say what? Yes. When you say yes, you're telling your brain, pay attention. Lean forward. This is important. Some of us need to ask the right questions instead of the wrong questions. Instead of, why does anything good ever happen to me? Why can't I ever seem to get ahead? Why can't I never lose weight? Those are the wrong questions. How about this? Lord, what do you have for me this year? And sometimes you've got to have the margin, the space, the opportunity to ask that because there's so many distractions and there's so much piling up and you've got so much cologne everywhere. You've got a headache. And the other day, I just decided, it's actually last night. And I've gotten pretty good at this. And my wife and I aren't always on the same page on this. When she's ready to take a break, I'm not. And when, when, I'm, not ready, when I'm ready to take a break, she's not. But we have learned to respect each other's space and to say, hey, I need a break. And she tends to go later than I do. She has more bandwidth than I have. How many of you know ladies tend to have more mental capacity than guys in terms of they can use both sides of their brain and I can only use one side at a time and I and and if you if you mess with me too much I get all confused and I'm just like boom and so she starts messing with she starts messing with she starts asking me questions and saying so and so and such and such and and finally I said I don't care about the church anymore it's nine o'clock at night cut it off I gotta prepare myself she goes, what do you got to prepare? I got to prepare myself for me time. This is why I don't think about nothing. She goes, well, this is important. I said, they can call 911. <laughs> no, come on. How many of you know it's important to know when to shut it off? When to say, okay, this is my limit. If I keep going, I'm only going to hurt myself and then hurt somebody else in the process. And we have to take the time. I want you to take the time this year to ask the real questions. Lord, what are you calling me to? What am I here to accomplish? And then the very important question, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why have I set this goal? Because if your why doesn't cause you to cry, it might be a distraction. Let me put that again. If your why doesn't cause you to cry, when I ask God, Lord, why am I doing what I'm doing? And he tells me, because I called you from your mother's womb. I set you aside to be my minister. I'm just, I just melt. 
And you are not here by accident, son. And what you have is a divine appointment. You have the most blessed job to shepherd my people, to bless my people, to share within my word. And I start thinking, wow. I'm calling you to be a man of God, to be a father to a new generation that will follow me even though it's getting darker and darker in the world. They will be brighter and brighter. Come on now. Come on. To be a husband. To be Christ to that wife I gave you. That's hard. That's hard. But this is what God shares with me when I ask. And so I want to share with you what happened last night. Last night, uh, Pastor Melissa had some plans. But you can have plans and not actually have the time to do them. What I'm trying to share with you is you've got to make the time. So she was playing the piano with the girls and she was doing this and she was doing that. And finally, um, we had gone to Whole Foods because part of our goals and part of our mindset and some of the things we're going to be doing is, is we want to make sure that our physical bodies are in the best shape possible. I want to be in the best shape by the time I hit 50 that I've ever been in my life. So I want you all to start praying for me. I, I got to get this thing done. Okay? Because I want to have the body that I need to have to accomplish the good work that God is calling me to. Amen? Amen. So we go to Whole Foods, we're, we're eating this way, we're eating that, and she's shopping, she's doing all this, and, and I'm just like, oh no, I, I'm like, I want to hurry her, but I don't, mm. and she says, baby, get your mind right. And I go, you know what, you're right. You're right, I need, a, I need to get my state under, under control. I need to get my mind right. I need to think about some things. I said, Lord, what do you have for me? And, and I always ask God. My, my kids laugh because I talk to God like I, I talk to you guys. You say, well, is it him talking or is it you talking? Sometimes I don't know, but a lot of times I think, I think it's him. <laughs> some of you are going, okay. No, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little funny, but I do. I said, Lord, what, what should I do? I, I said, tonight I just want to spend some time with you, Lord. I said, okay, so I'm looking through Whole Foods and I see bubble bath. I grabbed it, put it in the cart. That night, I just locked myself off in my bathroom. I put on a bubble bath. I'm sitting there with a glass of wine, just listening. <laughs> she comes in, she goes, muy bonito. <laughs> That's real cute. I wish I had the time. I bet that feels real nice. And I said, oh, it does. Can I tell you, some of you need a spiritual bubble bath where you get alone with the Lord and you say, God, this year's about to start and it's going to be hard and it's going to be long and it's going to be stressful, but I need to make sure I get my goals right, my mind right, my heart right so that I can give it all I have. And I want to know that I have your calling, your direction. And when I have your direction and your calling, then I can run with confidence. Come on. Some of you are saying, Pastor, how often do you do bubble baths? You're asking the wrong question. I feel that was a divine appointment. (laughs) I don't ever do bubble baths. That was weird. That's why she almost freaked out. But we're called to get focused. Paul puts it this way. Paul puts it this way. He says, not that I've already obtained all of this. Or have already arrived at my goals. But I press. I press. Listen to his word. I press 
on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. See, Christ Jesus loved me. He saved me. He paid the ultimate price for me. And he gave me this beautiful, awesome life. Therefore, I'm going to go for it with all my heart. I'm going to press toward the goal. I haven't obtained it yet, but I won't stop until I reach heaven. I'm going to live it for all it's worth. Listen to what he's saying. But one thing I do, not many things. One thing I do. One thing I do. One thing I do. Come on. Is someone receiving this? Some of us are too distracted with too many things. This year, boil it down to one or two things and say, I'm going to be great at this, God. I'm going to go for this with all my heart. One thing I do. Forgetting what is behind. Can I tell us? Can I tell you something? That regret from the shoulda, coulda, wouldas will rob you from your future. And we can have, you know, America's having a real, a real crisis with depression and anxiety. But I don't care how many pills you swallow, you're never going to cure depression and anxiety if you don't cure your mind first. And your mind has to be focused on God. You can't be worrying about what didn't work out. Well, it didn't work out, but you've got a fresh new day. You got a new set of downs. Some of you are going, what? It's a football reference. You've got a new set of downs. You've got the ball again. You can start today. Forget about tomorrow. But I've ruined this and I did that. You know, in the name of Jesus, he can restore to you what the locusts have eaten if you only trust him for it. And I'm here to tell you, forget what is behind. Paul could have said, you know what? I was a murderer and I helped. I was there when Stephen was killed, the first martyr of the New Testament church. I saw when he looked up at Christ and I belittled him and I was part of putting him to death. He could have sat there and whined about that and really hurt himself over it. But instead he said, I forget what is behind. God has saved me and this is a brand new day and I get the beautiful privilege of living today for his glory, for his glory, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. But focus takes practice. That means it's something we have to do every single day. Listen to what he says. This is the same letter he writes to the Philippian church. In the very next chapter, he says this, finally, my brothers, You have to train your mind. This is what he's saying. Train your mind to think of whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and God's peace will be with you. It's a statement. It will happen. You will have peace. Anxiety will flee. Depression will go if you train your mind to set it on the best things. That means you say, I'm not going to worry about what I didn't do, what I failed at. I'm going to worry about what God has called me to and what he has declared over me. You have to learn to manage your state and to believe for greater. Believe for greater. And do you realize this is one of the greatest things we can give our children? Mental focus. Mental focus. 
Lastly, force. Take decisive, forceful action. That means do something. The first thing you can do is write down your goals. Write down what you're gonna, what God is calling you to this year. I want to be a, I want to have, and, and we can go into all sorts of things about writing down your goal. Make it specific. Put a time limit on it. By this day, I will do X amount. I want to have a great relationship. It's too broad. Get more specific. Say, my relationship with Melissa, I want it to be characterized by us spending quality time once a week, going out on a date night, making passionate love. I don't know. Twice a week. I'm just kidding. (laughs) She's like, what? I'm going nuts here. Um, Hey, that's the beauty of marriage. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. Put specific goals down. Write it down. The Bible says in the book of Habakkuk, I won't read it because we've read it every week. But he says, write down the vision so that you can run after it. If you make it plain so that you can keep it in your mind, you'll run after it. Do you realize that science has shown this to be true? Remember, I'm telling you, science is just now catching up with the word of God. Science has shown that if you write something down, you're 40 to 50% more likely to accomplish it. You improve it by that much just by writing it down. Because there's a connection between your hand, your eye, and your brain. And so write down what God's calling you to. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. Know what the Bible says that in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, I've noticed something. He was a wise man. He said, I've noticed this, that success doesn't always happen to the one who's most talented. That's what he says. The race isn't always won by the fastest. The battle's not always won by the strongest. The smartest don't always have the wealth. What I've learned is those that persist, persist, get the breaks in life. Can I tell you, make your own breaks by keeping going, by setting your sights forward and never stopping. Last thing but not least, work hard, work hard. The Bible says all sorts of things about not being lazy and how, how, how it's shameful to be lazy. You know, the other day I had somebody tell me, he says, you're a pastor, right? And I said, yeah. And I guess they figured they'd complain to me. He said, you know what I've learned? I don't do business with these Christians that put the fish on their business card. I said, oh yeah, why? He goes, because I've learned They're not people of their word. They're lazy and they always try to cheat you. The Christians I do business with are the ones that don't have to tell you. They show you. And I thought, what? We're called to be people of the way. The way of Jesus Christ. People should say, When I see a Christian, that's the person I want to do business with. That's the person I want to hire. That's the person I trust because I know there's something different about those Christians. Because they're not Christian in name only. See, once upon a time, the world called us Christians. Now, we call ourselves Christians and the world calls us hypocrites. We're called to work hard. 
to do what we're called to do. Listen to what Solomon says here. He says, the soul of the sluggard craves and never gets, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. The slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Love not sleep. Don't love sleep, for you will become poor. Open your eyes. That means get up early and you will have plenty of bread. The hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labor. It says, look at the ant, you lazy person. This is what he's saying. Consider the ant's ways and be wise. Learn from the ant. How diligent are ants? Listen to this, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a bandit. Wow. So what he's saying, he's saying, go for it. So this is what I want to share with you as we finish. This whole message was designed to to fire you up to live life to the fullest. We get this amazing thing called life. I don't know how long we're going to have. But like a wise man once said, maybe we should learn to live like we were dying. I think he even wrote a song about it. I love music. I hear messages in music. Well, there was this song that I heard the other day, and I want to share it with you. But before I do, I want to share it with you this. Pastor Melissa thought it'd be nice to to give you a vision. Not that we're perfect, but it's something we've been working at because that's our what? That's our big why. What we were placed here to do is to bring God glory through our family. Bring God glory in the way we live. And I love her as a husband. She loves me as a wife and we love our children and ultimately shepherd a church where we can say, Use our humble example. We're not perfect, but we're right there with you. And for some of us, you might need a vision today. Maybe this can be your vision. Can I tell you something? Most of the pictures you saw, you see here in in a minute, you'll see here. We had to fight attitudes. You think my children aren't teenagers? You don't think I'm a fiery Latino that speaks before he should? I can tell you, we want to have a great time and we make all these plans and it rains on our vacation. And we have to what? Say, you know what? We'll walk in the rain. But we make plans and we show up and the room is horrible. We give them time to clean it. It's even worse. (laughs) What I'm trying to tell you is this. You're going to see a highlight reel. But the reason I like watching these highlight reels is because that's the way I try to think. This is the way I try to think. Guys, it's been proven. It's been proven. I'm trying to get close to you and I can't come off the platform. So this is how I get close. I kneel. It's been proven, and this is something interesting. 
I listen to all sorts of advice and things. And I've been noticing that the world is practicing a lot of the things that Christians should be practicing. The world is. And they do it under new age or whatever it is that they're doing. But, but some of it is, is, is good practice. And I've always learned, you know, truth is truth. It's just sad that sometimes we as Christians don't practice that truth. And so they talk about thinking about the best things. And for me, I like thinking about my family. I like thinking about the trips we've taken. I like thinking about, about joy and saying, man, I remember this went wrong and this went wrong and this went wrong, but we had each other and we keep... And so I just... I want you to listen to this song because this song really, really spoke to me. It, come, it says, come on, let's live life to the fullest. Let's do it now. Let's go explore the beauty of God's creation. And you might be here today and you say, Pastor, I don't, I don't know how to do that. Can I encourage you? You just do it. You say, well, I don't have the money. I don't, I don't have money. But I take the time and I prioritize things because at the end of the day, my greatest goal, my greatest goal is to be a great father, a great husband, and to put myself in a position where I can be a great pastor. And I know that if those other two are wrong, the third one will definitely be wrong. And so as we play the video and you listen to the song, would you just think of your own memories? Catch a vision for what you want your life to look like because when you catch that vision, you'll walk towards it. I love you, church. Hey, darling, can I tell you what's been on my mind? Sick and tired of the nine to five in the city light. We could get out of town See the beautiful world around Wanna see it now Pack our bags and get in that car Leave a little note and we'll drive real far Let's get out, we can leave this city Let's drive to the So pretty with the wind blowing in your hair. We can look back someday, baby. Don't you understand that we only get one life? I wanna make it count, honey. Come on now and take my hand. Hey, darling, I love it when it's me and you on the road with a couple of. In a car.
open air. Yeah, the countryside is so pretty with the wind blowing in your hair. We can look back someday. We only get one life. This is my highlight reel. What does yours look like? Can you get a vision for it? Can you get a vision for it? This is an amazing thing we get to do. We get to live in this beautiful world that God has given us. And we get to live it saved, knowing that someday, God, you're going to call me home. I have nothing to worry about. I have nothing to worry about. It's just, it's all, it's all smooth, Lord, from here on out. I don't care how hard it gets. Someday I'm going home. And in the meanwhile, I want to live it to the fullest. Amen. I love you, church. I love you, church. You only get one life. Come on, live it well. In Jesus' name, thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for setting us free by the body that you had broken on the cross and the blood that you shed for our forgiveness. Church, have a great, great day. I love you. I'll see you next week.